You're listening to First Christian Church Podcast, featuring teachings from our pastors. Every weekend, they explore and explain meaningful truth from God's Word that helps us understand how to follow Jesus and grow in our faith. To learn more, visit us at firstchristian.com. Now let's dive into this week's sermon. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called At The Movies. And if you've been a part of FCC for at least the last few years, you know this isn't really like a new series, is it? It's one we do almost every single summer, just kind of playing off the idea of the big blockbusters to come out. And see, I believe that all truth is God's truth. And so if there's a truth that we can pull from something that's even sort of conjured up out in Hollywood, and we can apply it to our lives and it can grow us in our relationship with Jesus, then well, let's look at scripture and let's see how we can tie it together and see how it does. Just that, grow us in Jesus. But here's the only sad thing everything's kind of shut down right now. And we don't know if we're going to have any summer blockbusters. And so we just thought, you know what? Let's let's plop that series here right after Easter. Let's try to fill that movie void that some of us have. And instead of the big blockbusters, let's take some of these more classic movies. Like, well, the ones we're going to explore over the next month are going to be stuff like Mary Poppins or The Wizard of Oz or a, a modern classic, Remember the Titans. And today we're going to look at one of my favorite movies of all time, Back to the Future. See, we're here in a uh, 50s style diner, Lake Varsity Diner. Uh, I've never been here. This place is awesome. But uh, uh it just kind of reminds me of this scene in Back to the Future, one of the more iconic scenes in the movie where Marty goes back to 1955. He's there in the diner, and who shows up? Biff, long story short, punches him in the face, goes out to the square uh, on his skateboard, sort of hanging onto the backs of the cars. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's iconic. Uh, and it's hard to believe this movie is 35 years old. But let me give you a snapshot. If you haven't seen it. You gotta see it. But if you haven't, uh, it's basically the story of a teenage California kid played by Michael J. Fox. His name is Marty McFly in the movie. And he has sort of an eccentric mad scientist friend, Doc Brown, who invents a time machine. It's sort of a souped up DeLorean. And once that thing hits 88 miles per hour, it can travel to wherever in time. And so in this story. There are three different uh, Back to the Future movies, but in the first episode, Marty actually travels back 30 years to 1955, where he messes up the love connection that happens between his teenage parents, and he has to remedy it so that he can later be born and go back to 1985 and everything will be okay. And so that's the main plot. It's just sort of a, a quirky story about time traveling. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. But it got me thinking this. It got me thinking, like, if I were to somehow come up with a souped up DeLorean, and I could give that to you, and I could say you could go back to any moment in your life, is there a moment you'd go back to and change? Like, if you could go back to maybe a time in your childhood or in your teenage years, is there a season where you'd go back and you'd say, yeah, I might want to tweak that a little bit? Or maybe the deeper way of saying that is, is there a part of your past that you just can't get past? Now, the reaction to a deep statement like that, if you're Doc, would be like, great Scott! Or if you're Marty, he would say, that's heavy, Doc. So I'll ask the question again. Is there a part of your past that you just can't get past? See, that's what we're going to talk about today, getting past 
your past. So if you have a Bible, maybe you want to open up with me. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to camp out in verses 12 through 14. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be here on the screen. Uh, Here's a little background, a little context. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group called the Philippians uh, in an area called Philippi. And uh, well, here's what he says. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. So this is Paul just being sort of humble. He's saying, listen, I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, I'm the apostle Paul, but there's still a lot I'm trying to make sense out of as I pursue Jesus. Again, just being humble. But he says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Again, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Again, just being humble. But then he says this, and this is the kicker. This is the thing I really want us to hone in on here this morning. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So let's unpack this for just a second. Here in Philippians, as Paul is communicating, yeah, he's, he's being kind of humble. He's saying, I, listen, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still trying to pursue Jesus the best that I can. But there's this, this line, this phrase. I'll read it again. That he, I think we just need to just pull this truth from. He says, but there's one thing I know. There's one truth I hold on to. He says this, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what ahead. And this is why, why this is so significant with Paul. Let's look at his background. Paul is someone who not only was he a Pharisee, which is significant, this group of religious men who walked with such pride and such arrogance and looked down on other people. And they were always in tension with Jesus because of that, because that just wasn't his vibe. But Paul, he was also, like he took it to a whole nother level. He made it his life's calling to go around and and murder and prison and persecute early Christians, early followers of Jesus, until one day Jesus gets a hold of him and says, Paul, stop. Like, let's do something else here. And Paul does, and he changes his whole life and chases after Jesus and goes and plants churches and, and is this huge factor in the movement of Christ. But man, that's a pretty heavy past. That's a lot to try to overcome. That's a lot that he has to try to forget to strain and press in towards a calling that Jesus has on his life. And I can't help but think you and I, man, there's got to be some similarities there. I think there's some of us, as we're watching this, we're saying, yeah, I would love to pursue Jesus. I would love to to be who he wants me to be. But if I'm honest, Ryan, like there's, there's some heavy stuff back there. Ryan, if I'm honest, like there's an addiction that... I feel like it's just sort of laid a foundation for the life that I'm living now. Ryan, there's, there's a divorce that I went through or a relational struggle that I'm not proud of. Ryan, there's an abortion that, that is a part of my, my past and, and it just seems like it keeps coming up. I want to be who Jesus calls me to be, but I've got all this baggage. And if anyone could understand that, it's Paul. Talk about baggage. He murdered Christ followers. And then Jesus says, no, I want you to press on to something more. And I love this. Paul says, it's almost like he's saying this. It can't be both. 
I can't have all this baggage and live in my past, looking over my shoulder all the time, and yet chase after Jesus the way that I feel like he wants me to. It's almost like Paul is saying, it can't be both. It makes me think of like that, that DeLorean. It can't move forward until it hits 88, right? It can't travel through time until you hit 88 miles per hour. And, and I don't know about you, but it's not easy to hit 88 if you're looking back. It's not easy to hit that momentum if you're looking over your shoulder. It takes work. It takes intentionality. And I know that because Paul says this as well in the text. Let's look at it just one more time. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and he used this word, straining toward what is ahead. Straining. It's effort. It's intentionality. It takes work. I love this. This word strain literally is defined this way. It means to make a strenuous or unusually great effort. Paul's saying, for me, in my life, I have to strain as I chase after Jesus. I have to constantly put out these, these ideas and these things that pop into my head because of my past. I have to strain. I have to work towards it. It takes intentionality. It takes me focusing on what Jesus wants for me. And I think for you and I, it's a similar thing. And here's why. It's just hard work. It just, it, it is, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. And I think it's hard because, well, think about this. If there is a God who wants the best for you, which he does, then there's probably an adversary or an evil one who's going to push against that. And I think, I'll say it again, if there's a God, which there is, who wants the best for you, which I think he does, then there's an evil one who's going to push against that. And he's going to try to do everything he can to keep you from pursuing Jesus as passionately as possible. And here's the primary vehicle through which I think the evil one does this. He's just whispering little lies of guilt and shame in our ears. He's saying, what, you, you think you could be a new creation? You can't do that. You have this history. You have this past. You have this baggage. You have this stuff. You think you can make a difference in the world? You think you can work for Jesus and be a new creation in Jesus? You're crazy. There's no way. You've got this and this junk and these issues. You've got this guilt and this shame. But Jesus doesn't work that way. Here's one thing I can tell you confidently. God is a God of second chances and third chances. Just look all throughout scripture. Look at Jesus's ministry. Who, were the, who was this ragtag group that he said, I want you to be my followers? Like Jesus' disciples, it's made up of history tells us that Mary Magdalene was probably a prostitute that he said, hey, come on, you can join in with me. Or, or how about Matthew? One of his disciples was a tax collector. You know the other disciples were like, hold on, Jesus. You're Matthew? Really? A tax collector? Or we see Peter denies Christ. And then about a month later, Jesus tells him, you're the one who I'm going to build my church on. Over and over, we see stories where Jesus is restoring people, where Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. You're not defined by your past. Let's push forward. Like, you, you got to get past your past. And Paul says, it. he says, I'm going to be a person who's straining and working towards pursuing Jesus in this new life that he's given me. But I think another beautiful example of this is in John chapter 3, where Jesus has a run-in with, again, a Pharisee. 
one of these folks that Jesus would, would do battle with and he would have tension with, and it's a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Here's how the story goes. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So this is like high up in the Jewish religious and political system. And here's what it says. It says, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Why would he do this at night? Because Nicodemus, well, he doesn't want anyone to see him meeting with Jesus. What would they think? What what might they they question, right? And, And here's what he asked Jesus. He says, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. I think it's really interesting. He says, we, like almost like he's speaking on behalf of other Pharisees who just don't want to speak up because how it could affect their system, how it could affect their reputation. But he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Here's how Jesus responds. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. I love this story. I love this moment where Jesus is meeting with someone that he probably maybe doesn't want to meet with, other than the fact that he's Jesus and he loves everybody. But this is someone who maybe he's assuming wants to give him some trouble. And the guy comes and he says, hey, listen, I got questions. How how do I live a new life in you? And Jesus walks him through and he uses this phrase. He says, be born again. It's almost like Jesus is saying this. If you want to be born again, it's just this simple understanding of we're going to live a different life than we've been living. It's almost like we're drawing a line in the sand and we're saying, hey, you're not defined by who you were and the mistakes you made and the junk that you've done, but we're going to move forward in a new life as you chase after me. Jesus is saying it's not who you were. It's who you are and who you're becoming. And that's beautiful. See, there's this other sort of, I guess I would say, side story that takes place in in Back to the Future. Yeah, it's mostly about Marty and him trying to get his parents to fall back in love and all the sort of crazy adventure that goes into that. But there's also uh, this, this other layer to it where just before Marty uh, propels into the past, he's in this mall parking lot with, with Doc and Doc's showing him the time machine and and then as he's doing this, uh, a group of terrorists come rolling in in like an old VW uh, bus, I guess you'd call it. And, and see, the, the story is this, and you're going to have to trek with me on this, but uh, Doc had to get plutonium to run his time machine. And he conned some terrorists into giving it to him, saying he'd build them a bomb, and instead he used it for his time machine. And so they come in and they they roll into the mall parking lot and they want to kill Doc. And just before Marty shoots back to 1955, he sees his buddy Doc get shot by these terrorists and he dies. And so the whole time Marty's in 1955, he meets up with that time's version, a younger version of Doc, and he tries to tell him what's to come. He tries to tell him, hey, listen, this is not good, Doc. Like, I just want to warn you so you can be prepared for 30 years from now when this happens so that you don't die. And Doc won't have it. He said, no, Marty, no, I can't know the future. And, he, and he's just, he, he's not having it. 
And so just before Marty, again, stick with me, shoots back into 1985, towards the end of the movie, he's written Doc a letter, telling him what's gonna happen. He slips it in his pocket. Doc finds it at the last minute, rips it up, says, I can't know, Marty, it can't happen. Doc gets back, or excuse me, Marty gets back to 1985 and he sees it play out again and he's distraught and he goes down and it turns out Doc has a bulletproof vest on. It turns out those 30 years that went by, he taped the letter back together and, and he'd actually taken the precautions so that he didn't die by gunfire. And I know that's a lot to try to digest if you haven't seen it. But again, it got me thinking. It got me thinking about the, the lengths that we should be willing to take to change our trajectory. Like for Doc, he was a little nervous, right? And it was a big risk for him to read that letter, for him to tape it back, not knowing how it might affect the space-time continuum. But he did it and it saved his life. You and I, I think, I say this often, we are who we are for a reason. There's some of us that we grew up in really messed up home situations. Maybe we had parents who were addicts who just didn't speak the life or the love into us that we really deserved or that we needed as kids. And it's shaped us and molded us and made us into certain kinds of, of people, right? And I think we start to just assume this is it. This is my trajectory. But you have an opportunity to do something really courageous. And I'll just say it again, to draw a line in the sand, to take a risk, kind of like Doc did to say, you know what, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not gonna live like that anymore. I'm saying, I'm saying no to, to who I've been and I'm gonna press into who Jesus wants me to be. And so maybe for you, that's saying for the first time in your life, Jesus, I'm gonna give myself to you. You can go to our website and you can click there. We have a, a whole space that says how to follow Jesus. And maybe you have questions. You could just press in there. Maybe for the rest of us, it's you, you're saying, no, I've already taken that step, but you know what? Sometimes I still fall back into those old habits. I'm telling you right now, it's a great time to say, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm not gonna be defined by my past. I'm gonna be defined by my pursuit of Jesus. I'm gonna strain towards it. See, I just wanna end with just one more passage. It's in Isaiah 43 and it's beautiful. It says this. Verses 18 and 19, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, says God. He says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love that at the end. It says, just, come on, let's just be done with the past. Let's, we're doing a new thing, but I love this. It says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. It's almost like there's this, these, these woods that we're just trying to walk through and navigate. And God says, but I'm, I'm paving a path for you. Let's go this way. It's a way in the wilderness. Or I love this even more, a stream in the wasteland. Like God says, look around you. It's just, you've been doing all this other stuff for a while. It's just been a wasteland. But here's this stream, this river of life that I've, I've, I've built for you. Get in. God's saying, I have something better for you. Let's be done with the past. Let's draw a line in the sand. And let's strain towards something even better. You are not who you were. You are who God has called you to be if you choose to press into that and to accept that gift that he's given you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. We believe that no matter what's in your past or what your life looks like today, Jesus is for you. If something you've heard has moved you to take a step in your faith, 
We're here to talk with you. You're not alone. We're all in this together. Visit hub.firstchristian.com to connect and let us know how we can help you along your journey. Thanks again for tuning in today. See you soon.